Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the community and podcast designed to inspire your mindset to help you take daily action towards your goals and achieve your dreams. I am your host, Gina Johnson. Today on the podcast, driving a long way home down a country road, contemplating sending his car off the road, Scott made a decision in his mind to end his life. He had thought that his wife could pay off the debt with the life insurance payout. As he was wrestling with his decision, Dave Ramsey came on the radio and he began to hear stories of couples that had become debt-free. Each night he drove home, he listened more and more until he had the courage to speak to his wife. The plan to end his life never came to fruition. Was it God's plan? Divine intervention? I don't know. Have you ever felt that you were at the end of your rope? That all hope was gone and you were unsure where to go? Perhaps you're still working a mundane 9 to 5 job that seems to go nowhere. In this interview with Scott, we hear how his journey unfolded. Welcome to the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today I ask, do you use your time, your treasure, and talent for your true calling? You're going to learn more about how you can impact the world today. Scott and his wife, Carrie, started Inspired Stewardship as a business to serve Christian men and couples that are struggling to live out their calling. He is a certified human behavior consultant, podcast host, and member of the John Maxwell team. They focus on helping you understand yourself, understand others, and through that understanding, build the kingdom. Scott and Carrie, through Inspired Stewardship, are living out their own calling that started with a call to coaching in 2011 and has slowly grown to a full-time business through one-on-one coaching, speaking, and workshops. Please welcome Scott Mater to the show. Hey, Gina. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you and, and bringing some value to your listeners. Uh, thank you for inviting me on the show. Well, so glad that you are here. Could you please start by telling everybody just a little bit more about yourself so they may get to know you? Yeah, I, I, I'm a Texas boy, so I'm in deep in the heart of Texas in, in uh, outside of San Antonio, and I grew up in Texas. I've been here my entire life, uh, but at the same time, I'm also one of those people that I've done a lot of traveling. I've, I've traveled internationally. I've traveled all over the United States, and one of the things that keeps coming out, and you, we were talking about how you know, all of these things come together in our lives and begin to point us in a direction is even from a very early age, I was always the person that was helping others, was tutoring others, was coaching others, uh, was sometimes convincing people to do things that maybe they shouldn't do occasionally, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing too. Um, I, there's stories there, but we won't go into those. The, the, that always was there. It, it, and it was something that I, I just, I naturally had a calling and a gifting toward, towards uh, I was a school teacher for 16 years, uh, taught middle school, taught high school. I've taught adult ed. And I've I've traveled over and I've worked with teachers and done that nationally. And so I've had all of these different opportunities that were parallel to coaching. And I didn't realize were actually training me to be a coach long before I even knew what coaching was, you know, no long before I even knew that there was this thing out there called coaching. And so back in 2011, when my wife and I started having an opportunity to actually do what I would call formal coaching, it was like, oh, I've been preparing for this my entire life, and I didn't even realize that. And and now here it is, this calling that's been put upon me that I can now give it a name. Uh, and up till there, it was always something of just kind of this vague feeling of, 
ah, I need to help people, but I really don't know how to do it or what to call it. Yeah, it's so incredible how you can connect the dots moving backwards or looking backwards, <laughs> I should say. Absolutely. It, it, I think we always, you know, we live our lives forward, but we understand our lives in reverse. Uh, so often we have to look back at things and it's like, oh, there was this thing that happened and there was this thing that happened. And there was this thing that happened. So as an example, one of the things that came out uh, of my wife and my our personal journey is we were married and we'd begun running up debt. That's actually why we started coaching eventually is through financial coaching. That was the beginning of our coaching journey. So we'd run up, you know, $58,000 worth of debt. Uh, it, actually, $58,846.54. Not that I know it to the penny, but I know it to the penny. <laughs> uh, over, you know, the first few years of our marriage, building a house and doing all of these things, we had all of this consumer debt. And I was a school teacher at the time, and I made like $40,000 a year. So I'm literally looking at this going, I owe more money than I make in a year. Oh, and boy. did not know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a depressive personality. Depression runs in my family. I began to stress about it, strain about it. And like a lot of men do, I put a lot of my value into being a good provider for my wife, being a good provider for my son. He wasn't born at the time, but now, you know, putting being a good provider for him. And because I was feeling the stress and strain, I actually became suicidal uh, at one point and, and began planning my own death because I knew if I could fake a, a, a death that, you know, looked well and, and insurance would pay out, that would take care of my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that led me down this road of coaching was that own my own experience with having this really dark point in my life where I didn't see a way out. And luckily I found a way out, but if, if with God's help and my wife's help, but if I hadn't, you know, I, that would have ended it. And one of the values that I've seen in coaching and working with people as a coach is a lot of times having that other person with you helps you see those opportunities and those ways out that perhaps you're, you're so deep down in the pit, you can't mm -hmm. even see them. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're not even visible to you and yet they're there you're just blind to it. Um, and, and so much of my story would have been different if I had had a coach. Uh, now I did get counseling and I did have help and I did get other people around me, my pastor and others who walked with me and kind of brought me out of the pit. Mm -hmm. and, and it was that community and that connection that did it. And so that's, again, one of the things that comes about with working as a coach is even though sometimes I'm coaching on practical stuff, quote unquote, air quote, practical stuff, money, you know, time, productivity, career, these sorts of things, those things are really our lives. They, they tie into everything we do. They tie into who we are, our self-identity. They tie into our belief systems, our, our history. All of that gets wrapped up together, our relationships. And so whatever you're looking at, whatever you begin struggling with, as you work through that, that's what really reconnects us to relationship and community, to God and to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a powerful story and a vulnerable one. Thanks for sharing with us. Certainly. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've gotten more comfortable with sharing uh, over the years because that it's been a number of years ago now and I haven't been back to that dark place. But as I share it, especially with Christian men, uh, I, I've discovered being able to share that story often opens up a door for people that perhaps have had a similar situation or had similar thoughts or had similar struggles, but 
aren't necessarily as comfortable sharing that. Um, and so I, I've learned with, with trust and vulnerability, one of the keys is to go first, uh, to, to share vulnerability first. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I, I, you know, I don't hesitate to share that story when it's appropriate uh, with people because, you know, it's real. It, it's true. We've all we've all been there. You know, we've all had dark thoughts, maybe not all the way to the extent of, of plotting your own suicide. But all of us, by the nature of being humans, we have those days that we get up and we go, I just don't want to do it. I, you know, I just don't want to do this today. I, I don't want to play anymore. Let me go home and, and pull the blankets up over my head and go back to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's at some level, we've all had that day and those experiences. And, and it's part of the human condition. But it's also something that we have to find a way to work through. And, and I don't believe in this whole thing of, oh, just power through it. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and everything will be better. No, it, it does take community. It does take relationship. It does take connection to be able to build yourself up and come past those sorts of dark days. Yeah, and I can relate because I actually have a very similar story myself from about five years ago. And I think it takes a lot more than mindset. I heard a lot of people that would just say like, oh, you just got to think differently. And although you do, it's so much more complex than just that, isn't it? Well, it, it, yeah, you just got to think differently. Oh, yeah, thanks for that. I, I, I didn't realize I was, you know, not thinking well. That that that, that fixed it all. Now I'll just think different. Yeah, that that's cliche trite advice yeah. because at the end of the day it's like think differently great how yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, what, what exactly do i need to do to do that you know, plus we all have these unprogrammed scripts mm-hmm. that live below the surface in our subconscious and our, our pre-conscious or unconscious all of these things that speak into us i, I had the pleasure one time of a, I, i'm giving a talk to a group of i don't know 150 200 people in the room and I asked the question, how many of you have an inner voice? So mm-hmm. those of you listening, play along. How many of you have an inner voice? Of course, everybody's hands goes up, right? Yeah. We all have that voice. We all have that inner voice. So now how many of you does that inner voice tell you really positive things all the time? Like good job and you're so <laughs> smart and you're beautiful and you know what? And of course, every hand goes down, yeah, right? Because yeah. No, our inner voice is the worst critic on the planet. You know, it, you're an idiot. You're, you're a failure. And, and our inner voice has a tendency to do what I call the three P's. It makes every situation seem as if it is personal, permanent, and pervasive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's personal. It's not I failed. It's you're a failure. That's what the voice says. Mm-hmm. Not I made a mistake, but you are a mistake. Yeah. You know, it, it makes it personal. It's pervasive because it says, not only did you fail this time, you always fail. Mm -hmm. You never succeed. You never get it right. By the way, if you stop and think, that can't possibly be true, (laughs) you know, but, but, but the inner voice tells you that. And then it makes it, it makes it, you know, pervasive. It makes it not only have you always failed before, you're always going to fail in the future too. You're never going to succeed. You're mm-hmm. always going to be a failure. It makes it all of these things when the reality is none of that is true. Mm-hmm. Yet it's the inner voice. That's what it tells us. And you have to reprogram that inner voice. That's really what people mean by think different. Mm-hmm. But to do that, how do you do that? Well, very seldom can you do that all by yourself. 
Mm -hmm. um, that that requires community. That requires people around you. That requires you know whether it's a coach, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a pastor, whether it's your mother, whether it's a good friend, your sister, your brother, your kids. I don't you know that all of that's valid, but it requires plugging into that larger sense of community. And of course, you know my belief system. I think one vital form of it is it requires having a relationship with God as well, uh, and having that to plug into and that relationship to, to lean on, but it doesn't happen instantaneously. And it definitely doesn't, it never even really completely goes away. It just, you get better at it. You know, it, you, you build up the skill of being able to yeah. hear those limiting thoughts and, and say back to them, Oh, look, the voice showed up again. <laughs> nice to see you. I haven't heard from you in a while. It's great that you're still there, but by the way, that's still not true. And I'm just going to keep going. And when you talk about a relationship with God, do you find that one thing we tend to do is look at our achievements as our worth? So someone could look at you now and be like, oh, good thing that you didn't do it because now you have all these credentials. But the truth is God loves everybody no matter what they did. And I think that's so important to remember when you're in that place that you don't yet have those credentials to look at. A absolutely. I mean, for especially for men, a lot of times we put it into our salary. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how much I earn is how much I'm worth. Mm -hmm. um, we can do it with we can do it with anything. We can do it with. Well, when I get this Ph.D., then I'll be worth something. Then I'll be happy yeah. when I when I have this particular relationship. You know, I meet this particular person. Um, I get this particular job. I whatever <laughs> you know, fill in the blank. It, we manage to do that for all of it. But that kind of pursuit of happiness, that sort of pursuit of, of joy in the stuff that we get, the accolades, the titles, the the recognition from others, the whatever, it, that's always fleeting. Mm -hmm. it, it's never enough because there's it, it's like a bully. You know, there's always another line to cross. There's always another thing to push. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, I got the new car. Now I'll be happy if fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's never done. And instead, if you can settle into this, it's a dichotomy of content and yet still driven. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people think of contentment as a passive thing. You know, I'm going to sit back and just be content. It, it's, it's, can, you know, content, can, oh, excuse me, contemplation. It's, it's about, you know, sitting there and, and meditating and, um, you know, this is, this is how you find this sense of happiness. So you, you, cross back into yourself. It's passive. That's not really what the word content means. If you look at it, and if you look at the biblical meaning of contentment, it's still an active process. It's still driven. You still want to be able to do more and serve more and help more and impact others in a positive way more. But you're also at the same time going, but I also have enough. Yes. No matter how much I have, no matter how little I have, I have enough. God has provided for me in a way that is enough. Mm -hmm. And that's, it, it's a weird mindset because it's sort of a, I talk a lot about having what, what I call a both and mindset as opposed to an either or mindset. Mm -hmm. So, you know, either or, either I do this or I do that. Either I get the car or I'm not happy. Either I get this stuff or I'm filling the blank. Mm -hmm. Instead, a lot of times real contentment comes about from a both and. I am both content and I would love to achieve more. Mm -hmm. I am both happy with the car that I have 
and I'd like a new car. Okay, you can mm-hmm. have both of those things at the same time, and yet it seems like a paradox. <laughs> I agree. That's such a great way of looking at it. It's funny because I have one of those cars. I just chose my car broke. I chose to buy a car in cash, and it took me a month to find one in my budget. That was a good car. So I'm driving around saying, thank you for this car, and when that new one comes along, thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and, and that is that is the right mindset because that's what gave you the patience to wait until you found something that you could afford with cash, Okay, which I would agree with you is a much better way to buy a car because cars are terrible investments. Um, you know, worst car accident on the planet happens in financing offices and car lots all over the country. But that is instead it gave you that patience because you had that sense of contentment that, you know, yes, this is a strain. Yes, this is a struggle. I'm worried about breaking down on the side of the road. But I also know if I wait, I'll find the right thing instead of forcing it and looking for something that wasn't right. Oh, I wish I could say I've always been that way. It took like seven years to learn. and it, it's Seven good. years? That's good. That's quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm 50, and I think it probably took me about 49. So. <laughs> I want to get back to your story, and I'd love if you could take us back to that moment that you shared and just take us on the journey of how you got from there to where you are now today. Yeah, so my what was happening, like I said, I was a school teacher, and back at that time, I, I would drive home late at night, um, and I would drive on this, we live way out in the country. Uh, the way I explain how far out in the country we live to people is I live 45 minutes from the closest Starbucks, McDonald's, <laughs> or Walmart. Wow. Okay? You know, we're, we're an hour away from any of those, so most people aren't more than five minutes from one of those. Yes. So that's just the way it is. But we live way out in the country. And we, I drove home, and there's this long, windy road. And I began to think, well, if I drove off this road, there's a, a steep cliff with a, a, a good drop-off. If I drove off this road and, and died in the middle of the night, you know, people would just think I fell asleep because it's so late at night. And you know, my, my wife wouldn't know. Nobody would worry, and, and she would be able to go on. Um, and we had enough life insurance to kind of pay off the debts and, and set her up with a little bit of money. And what happened actually is they changed the radio lineup. So I used to listen to talk radio to keep myself awake. Yes, I know that's ironic here. I am planning to look like I fall asleep. So I'm listening to talk radio. So I don't fall asleep. You know, God works funny ways. So it, it, they changed the radio lineup and they put the Dave Ramsey show on instead of, I think it used to be Bill O'Reilly or something like that. That oh, was on wow. before. Amazing. Um, and I started listening to it on the drive home and I'm, I, I'm arguing with this guy <laughs> from Tennessee on the radio. Uh, yeah. You know, you've never argued with the radio. I'm sure. I'm sure it's just me. Right. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, don't admit it. Okay. I've been there. Yeah. I'm, I'm yelling at this guy going, you're crazy. You know, people can't live without debt. There's no possible way I could ever get out of debt. Yada, yada, yada. And I think it was on a Thursday. And so the next day I'm driving home, still listening to the same radio station. He comes on again. Of course, back in those days on Friday, they did the debt free calls. Yes. Yes. And so now all these people are calling in, telling their story. And some people were worse off and some people were better off, but they're all telling the same story of this journey they've been on and getting out of debt. And I kind of started going, wow, okay, maybe there's something to this. And, you know, the next week to basically four or five, six days go by and I'm listening to this each night and I'm, I'm slowly moving away from 
arguing and fighting to realizing I'm driving home and I'm not thinking about killing myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, something's something's happening. Something's changing. And so the the on the weekend on the Saturday I walked up to my wife and I said, you know, I, I need you to take a walk with me. We need to talk. And she says, okay. And so we went for a walk and. I told her I, I came clean. I said, you know, I, I've been hiding all this debt from you because, see, I was a good man. I was going to protect her from it, not tell her oh, about it. No. Now, truth is, she actually knew, but oh. I didn't know she knew because my wife's a lot smarter than I give her credit for. Uh, <laughs> but she's also smart enough to know I didn't want to tell her. So she's pretending like she doesn't know, even though yeah. she did. Um Yeah. Not that women ever protect men's egos that way, but there you go. <laughs> um, and I came clean and I told her and I said, I've also been, and I told her about, I've been thinking about killing myself and the insurance and all of that. And obviously she got upset and she cried and we talked and I said, I've been listening to this guy on this ra on the radio show. And I think we could do this and get out of debt. And she says, do you mean Dave Ramsey? <laughs> I said, yes. She says, yeah, dad and I have been listening to him on the radio during the day. And I was listening to the rebroadcast at night. Wow. More or less the exact same time I started listening to it, she had started listening to it. But I wasn't telling her and she hadn't told me. And again, a God moment. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I actually wasn't churched and I was kind of avoiding God. I'd been raised in the church, but I had left because of some personal issues. And, you know, I had this long journey of running from God as quickly as I could until he caught me. <laughs> um and this was the moment when God caught me again. And I said, you know, there's something here. There, there, there's a God moment here. Yeah. We need to do this. And so we basically bought the book and started our journey out of debt. And two years and 11 months later, we paid off $72,000 worth of debt. Now, if you were listening a few minutes ago, I said we started with $58,000 and change. The real truth is the reason we ended up paying off 72 is in the middle of getting out of debt, I lost a job mm -hmm. and I ended up in the hospital and had emergency surgery for a collapsed lung. Oh, wow. Added about 18, almost $20,000 to our debt. Oh, and wow. basically we ended up having to pay off even more than we started with, but we did it and we did it together and we did it, you know, it was not easy. Uh, we paid off 72, making an average income of $55,000. It paid it off in two years, 11 months. So anyone that real quickly wants to do the math, yes, we were living on very, very, very little mm -hmm. uh, because that's the only way you can do it mm -hmm. uh, is you've got to make, you know, you've got to live on less than you make. <laughs> that's how that works. And as we did it, we began to have people asking us about how are you doing this? How are you doing this? How mm -hmm. are you doing this? And we began to help others. We began to, to teach others how to do it and to begin to coach. Didn't even realize that's what we were doing, but that's what we were doing. And then over time, I, I eventually got a new job at working in a corporate uh, environment. And I worked myself up to senior management. But on the side, the whole time, we began to start this coaching business. And we eventually ended up with the name Inspired Stewardship because what we found ourselves called to teach was for people to get better at using their time, their talent, and their treasures so that they could live out their calling. Mm -hmm. Basically, we had found our calling in helping others discover and live out what they're really supposed to do and getting rid of the roadblocks because so often what holds us back from getting to do what we, what we know God wants us to do is something in one of those three areas. It's it's either how do we handle our time? You know, are we binging on Netflix instead of doing something that would be more productive? 
how do we handle our talent? And around that, it includes things like learning how to communicate better. It includes things like understanding our own leadership skills, our own abilities, our own personalities, and learning how to have the emotional intelligence to deal with others. And then how do we handle our treasures, our money? One of those three areas, or often all three, is what holds us back from really being able to do what we needed to do. And, and what we discovered is as we got better in those three areas personally, you know, I went out and learned a lot about personality and I'm certified and so is my wife in DISC personality management. And that's the, the human personality uh, certification. I, we, went, we both went through the John Maxwell training and we learned all of this stuff from John Maxwell and his mentors in this program about coaching and about speaking and around business. And as we began to pour all of these things into our own life and got better at using our own time, our own talents and our own treasures, all of these opportunities start coming along to help others in those same areas. And so we began to develop our abilities, invest in ourselves is the way I phrase that, so that we could invest in others and help them do what they were called to do. And so over, you know, from 2011 until 2017, we were growing this business on the side and beginning to turn it into something that we turned into a full-time business. So people tell tell me I'm I'm a bit nuts. You know, I left a very high powered corporate job, extremely well paid, great benefits. You know, all of the sort of things that people look at you and go, "That's the target. That's what you should be doing mm -hmm. to go start my own coaching business as a full time business." You know, and people are like, "You're crazy. How would you? You know, don't." But that's what I was called to do, and that's what my wife was called to do. You know, when when I turned in my resignation, my wife's comment was about time. All right. You know, as opposed to, oh dear God, how are we going to eat? Yeah. You know, yeah. because we put the things in place to be able to do it well. So this isn't about being reckless. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't. I, I'm not one of those coaches or one of those people that says, oh, you know, just go live your dream, follow your passion, everything will work out. No, that's stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, don't do that. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to live in faith, but call, God calls us also to live responsibly. Mm -hmm. You know, we're called to be creators. We're called to be producers. We're called also, though, to be planters and pruners. Mm -hmm. You know, there's times that we're supposed to be learning, you know, planting, br bringing into our life. And then there's times that we're supposed to be producing and doing. And a lot of the battle is figuring out which is what, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Wait, what, is, this, is this a production moment or is this, a, you know, is this a planning moment? Is this a pruning moment? Where, where am I at? What, what am I doing today? And that's, you know, that's really where the mindset game is. That's where the challenge is. Talking with you is so near and dear to my heart because guess where my cash car came from? From... Dave Ramsey. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, my guess is we're going to be either Dave Ramsey or James Kennison. Uh, James Kennison is a friend of mine who teaches, uh, he, he has a, a podcast and a, a website called Cash Car Convert. And he also <laughs> teaches through the Dave material, but he teaches the idea of, of we should always buy our cars with cash. So uh, that's something your, your listeners can check out as well. I'll link that in at the show notes because it is so cool. They still do the debt-free thing, but it's on Instagram now. So people always uh -huh. post their debt-free stories, which are so inspiring. And it looks like someone's making a bumper sticker that said, Dave Ramsey made me drive this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we uh, What's funny is I still drive my, quote, you know, hoopty car. Um, I've never been a real big car person, neither has my wife, but 
we, you know, so we just drive the car that's reliable and gets us from point A to B and does what we needed to do. And I don't really care what it looks like. I don't care what it acts, you know, other than it's reliable and it works. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't have a lot invested in my car uh, and never have. But it's, I'll tell you, it's a weird thing uh, in Texas to not want to have, you know, the newest truck and drive this and drive that. There, there's a lot of car culture uh, down here because it's such a big state. Everyone has to drive. You, you know, you don't, you, you, you don't walk anywhere in Texas. You, you drive because for me, a four hour drive is that's one of the next big cities is, you know, two hours away. So it, huh. it's normal to have that kind of mindset and that kind of mentality. But I'll, I'll tell you, I drive a 1999 Toyota Camry with over 200,000 miles on it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it works. You know, it gets, it get, does what I needed to do and eventually it'll break and I'll get a new one. What a great testimony to your story. So even once you quote unquote make it, you still live by those same principles. Yep. I still, we still live, which is why I can quit a corporate job and, and do what I'm called to do and not stress, you know, because we've gotten our finances in order. We're, we're completely debt free. We have no car payment. We have no mortgage. We have no credit cards. We have no debt anywhere in our lives. And because of that, you know, we can keep the lights on and food on the table and those sorts of things. We don't need to make a huge amount every month. Mm -hmm. We can provide and do the things that we're called to do and give and tithe and all of those things. It, it's not, we don't have to make $150,000 a year to do that. We don't mm -hmm. have to make $100,000 a year to do that. And by laying that foundation, then we've been able to make a leap to doing what we were called to do and, and not, not have that desperation. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of times what happens to people. It's like, Oh, I'm going to go do this thing. And then they're so desperate to make it work that they end up killing it. They end up killing their own dream because of that desperation. Because let's face it, people can sense that sense of desperation. <laughs> you know, that, that, oh, I got to have the sale. I got to have the sale. I got to have the sale. And it's like, you know, I love to help people. And I love people to come along who are wanting that coaching and wanting to drive and wanting to change and wanting to learn how to use their time, their talent, and their treasures better. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not the right coach for you or this isn't the right time for you, I'll love you and I'll help you as much as I can, but you go on down the road and that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not upset about it and you're not upset about it and everybody's happy. It, it's a different mindset because of laying that foundation and living those principles day in and day out. That is such an important point. And for anyone listening here who's looking for their first coach, I think it's such an important ingredient as well is that you want a coach that's taking you for the right reasons, not just you know, because they need to pay their bills. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And, and you want a coach that fits with you, mm -hmm. you know. So a, as an example, I'm a faith-based coach. So if I'm coaching, I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about the Bible occasionally. You know, those things are going to come up. Yeah. And I'm going to use those as personal examples and irrelevant examples. It, it's not you don't have to believe in God to use me as a coach. I don't care. You know, that's your decision. But those are my life experiences. That's the lens through which I coach. And so if you're uncomfortable with that, I'm not the right coach. Go find one that's right for you. Because the truth is, that's who you'll learn from. That's who you'll have a relationship with. That's who you'll trust. That's who you'll grow with. And that's who will help you. If you get that feeling that you know, one of the questions I always tell people to ask, 
ask your coach if they have a coach. Yes. Because if a coach doesn't have a coach in their life, why? Why not? If they really believe in coaching and they believe in the power of coaching, why don't they have a coach? Because I'll tell you, as a coach, you're never really done, right? You may you may move beyond what I can work with you and you need to find a new coach or a different coach or a different level, but you always need to have people speaking into your life. Now, maybe it's not a formal coaching relationship where you're paying. Maybe it's a mastermind. That's the way you're coaching. Maybe it's a mentorship situation. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you have to always pay for a coach, but that coach should be able to explain to you how are they getting poured into themselves? What are they doing to continue to grow and continue to, to push back? beyond their current level as a coach. Because if the answer is, well, nothing, okay, why not? Explain that. And and if they can't, and they can't give you an explanation that makes sense to you, I'd move to the next coach, personally. <laughs> keep looking. Um, yeah, keep looking, because you probably haven't found the right one yet. And yet the number of times that people will say, you know, I'm a coach, and I went to school, and I got my certificate, and so now I'm a coach or I learned this through this one program and now I'm a coach, but they don't continue to seek out some way of continually growing and learning. Mm, I, I worry about that because um, I, I will tell you, I, I've been coaching for a long time and I am not perfect at coaching and I don't know everything I need to know. And by surrounding myself with other master coaches, that's how I continue to grow and continue to learn. And I teach, sometimes I'm teaching them and sometimes I'm learning from them. So, you know, I have a mastermind that I'm part of. That's one of the ways I grow. I have a, a group called Coach Connections. I'm actually one of the mentor coaches over there where we train other people how to be financial coaches. And I'm part of a group of master coaches through Coach Connections that are all coaches that have been doing this five, six, seven, eight, 10, 12 years, you know, and more. And we collectively come together to pour into each other. Mm -hmm. And to continually grow and continually learn. You know, so and at other times I've had actually paid coaches in my life too. So I've got these opportunities to have people pour into my life because I don't know it all. Um I I def I, I want to, I, I wish I did, but I don't. And so I've got to continue to grow and continue to learn. And that philosophy and that mindset is a powerful one for whatever you're doing. You know, whatever your business is, whatever your drive is, becoming a parent. And last time I checked, kids don't come with an instruction manual. <laughs> that's um, for sure. Unless that's happened recently. My son's 15 now. So, it, you know, unless that's changed in the last 15 years, they don't come with an instruction manual. And, you know, I always laugh because people, always, you know, when you're the best parent you can ever be when you're not before you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the minute you have them, you're like, oh, dear God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody tells me how to do this because I'm terrible at this. Truth is, you're not. But that's how we feel because it doesn't come with an instruction manual. And so you've constantly got to be growing and learning as a parent. You've got to grow and learn in your relationships, um, you know, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's dating, whatever it is, you've got to grow in your relationship with God and your spirituality. You've got to grow in your health. You know, ignore that component and see what that gets you. You know, you've got to grow in your career. You've got to grow in all of these areas of your life. But, but, and here's one key, 
sometimes people try to grow in all of them at the same time as much as they can. That's mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. You, know, you also have to pick and choose and focus in different areas and different phases of your life. I'm in a very different place in learning today than I was 10 years ago yeah. because I'm at a different place in my life. Absolutely. I just want to do a real quick check-in in case anyone joined in late to let them know we're talking with Scott Mader of the inspiredstewardship.com and all the show notes will be at synergymindsetcoaching.com. Scott, and it's spelt, is it M-A-D-E-R-E-R? That's right. I know it looks like that's spelled wrong, but it is actually spelled correctly. M-A-D-E-R-E-R and it's pronounced Mader. Well, we're coming to the end, and I'm so sad our time is almost over, but I'd like to ask you to share your favorite book. The favorite book this week, um, (laughs) that's kind of how I have to preface this, because it's hard for me to say I have one single favorite book of all times other than the Bible, um, which I consistently read and go back to. But right now, one of the what I'm kind of pouring through is Cal Newport's material. So I've been working. I just finished Deep Work, um, and and I'm working through some of his other material. Anything by Cal Newport is probably one of my favorites, uh, if not my current favorite. Excellent. I have not read that. I'm always happy to find a new book to check out. And can you tell us what your favorite podcast is right now, please? Uh, my favorite podcast is actually one put out by a friend of mine, a good dear friend of mine called Jeff Brown, which is called Read to Lead. Uh, the only problem with that podcast is I find it to be a very expensive one because he <laughs> interviews Arthur's and every time he does, I want to buy the book. So it's an expensive podcast. I will warn you of that. But it's, it's, it does a great job of interviewing uh, leaders and, and writers who are in that space of personal development and leadership. Oh, sounds like one I'll like as well. Thanks for sharing. It's been such a pleasure to have you share your journey and your expertise. I just want to thank you for coming and invite you to share where people may connect with you. And then I'm going to just hand the mic to you if you would like to leave any parting words of guidance. Absolutely. Thanks so much. The The best place to find me always is over at inspiredstewardship.com. I've got all the links to Facebook and Twitter and all of those sorts of things over there. My, my Twitter is Steward Coaching. Uh, Facebook is under Inspired Stewardship, so you can find me in any of those places. Uh, as well, I actually put together a free gift, and if you go to inspiredstewardship.com slash synergy, I, I put together a, a series of tips in those three areas, time, talent, and treasures, and you can sign up for one of them or all three if you're struggling in that area, and it'll give you a, a, some emails over a period of a few weeks and work you through some exercises to kind of help improve in one of those areas. So if you've been struggling in one, go over there and sign up for that and, and get that tip series, uh, and hopefully that'll help you kind of get unstuck and moving forward in those areas. As far as words of wisdom, you know, I, I don't know that I'm really the right person to do it, but what I would say is one of my philosophies that I always live with is, is out of Romans. And it's this idea of we have to renew our minds to really be able to cont- consistently live in the spirit. And as human beings, I think so often we get so focused on being busy and doing and making all these things happen and we forget to stop and just and allow ourselves to recover and reset and refocus our minds. It's it's something I have to really work hard to do. I'm, I'm terrible at you know working 24 hours a day and not allowing myself to rest and to be and to have those moments of, of spiritual recovery. 
And so I want to encourage your listeners to sit back and sometimes take some time to just be and to listen to their heart, listen to their breathing, listen to the Spirit, and, and let the Holy Spirit speak into their life so that they can do the thing that they are truly called to do. Hey guys, welcome back. Wasn't that an inspiring interview with Scott? Be sure to check out his free gift. It is linked in on the show notes page. You will see it near the end. And if you enjoyed this interview, please, please reach out to Scott on social media. You can send him an email or just leave a comment on this post to let him know what you liked or just simply that you liked it. I really appreciate our guests giving their time to share on the show. And the more people that let them know, the more that they are willing to come onto podcasts and give their time. Please also, if you could take just a moment to leave a review, that would really help us to get the podcast out to other people. If there's someone you know that would benefit from listening to this, please share. And if there's anybody that you would like to hear on the podcast or any topics that you find would help, reach out anytime. Gina at SynergyMindsetCoaching.com. This is your community. I am here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back next week with another inspiring interview.